Welcome to episode 35 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm Rod, and I didn't get very much sleep last night because my neighbors had a rager, so I'm going to do my best for this next batch. <laughs> I really hope your neighbors are listening. And I am JC. I did not rage last night. I raged on Friday night. <laughs> Cyclops is Waiting for Me is our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men, the animated series in their original intended script order, building up to the release of X-Men 97, which is coming to Disney Plus in 2023. For those of you wondering how we determine the order of these episodes, we utilize the order listed in Previously on X-Men, the making of an animated series by the lead showrunner Eric Leewald, which is also available for reference on Wikipedia, the list, not the book. But at the time of this recording, Disney Plus has finally adjusted the order of the episodes to be in the proper order. All other sources and references have not, though. <laughs> so if you look at Amazon in the the order, if you look at IMDb or even any of the fandom pages, like they are listed in airing order as opposed to script order. Okay. So Disney is out now the source of truth, uh. <laughs> which is a weird thing to say. So anyway, quick reminder, we're a recap show about a series that came out almost 28 years ago. There will be spoilers. If you don't want to spoil for you, pause the podcast, watch the episode, come back. We'll do our best to avoid mentioning anything about future episodes we haven't covered yet. And we're currently not sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way. But, you know, hey, good job on fixing the airing order like years after the service launched. <laughs> yeah, like a full year. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter and Facebook. And also we have a YouTube channel and we posted full episodes with just kind of like an audio visualizer. But during our last batch for the Dark Phoenix Saga, we posted an actual piece of video content, which is us unboxing the X-Men Dark Phoenix Saga Hero Clicks with our buddy Matt Robb. So that was that was a thing. And Rod was maybe <laughs> concussed during yeah. it. Hey, good job with the video that JC also edited that one. Yeah, and footage. at the time of recording, Rod has not posted it yet, but also on our TikTok, you should see some unboxings of X-Men Dark Phoenix Saga Dice Masters. Yes, and I, I double-checked, I still have those. I don't remember what's on them, but I still have them. <laughs> you didn't know what was going on when we unboxed it, so it's yeah. totally fine. <laughs> And finally, we record these in batches, if you can't tell. So if we're reacting to any news, which let's be real, we're not going to today, we're going to be behind. Now onto the show. Today, we're going to be talking about season three, episode 18, titled Orphan's End. It was aired February 25th, 1995, currently sits at a 7.1 star rating on IMDb. The order of these episodes, if you start just checking them against the calendar, are just chaos for like the next five. Yeah. So I think I remember this episode vaguely, but we're hitting the territory where like it's a it's a toss up if I'm going to remember if it, watch these episodes or not because we're hitting that era where it's like these might have aired like you know a year later or something or in the order of these episodes we literally are jumping between 95 96 early 95 late 96 like there is there's so much inconsistency with yeah. the order of these as as they aired on Fox. And I don't think this was in the batch that was the new studio, but like everything looks and sounds just a little off, you know, like I, we'll talk about it later, but like with Storm and Cyclops' initial animation in this one, so right. the voice acting and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think that just comes down to Saban probably just <laughs> kept doing what Saban does, where it was, hey, let's have more content get shot out and the actual budget per episode went down. So yeah. there's probably a little less leeway of making changes as they were needed. So even if it was the original animation studio, they probably had less drafts, less edits, yeah. etc. So they literally just shoved somebody in the recording booth and they're just like, you have four seconds, say all your lines, one, two, three, go. Yeah, yeah. I, I Actually, I could totally see that, especially because they 
depending on what order they recorded everybody, the person who went first probably has like the worst takes because not responding like responding to anybody. Well, anyway, the it, the recap before the episode actually starts is to from the Phoenix saga reminds us that's when we met Corsair. So it's got a good primer like, oh, we're going to deal with this story again because they focus around the clips where he and Scott don't know that they're related. So the episode actually starts with a plane. It's very like. 90s vibed i don't know how to explain it it's just the experience of flying in a plane <laughs> like pre 9-11 you know everybody's just smoking right. <laughs> no that's not actually happening but yeah it was you know it was it was your stereotypical plane scene where you have people who are you know getting serviced by the flight attendants and all yeah. that kind of stuff but it seemed like a very big plane like it was yeah. like it was the every i feel like we got the overhead shot of first class yeah because the flight attendant is like serving food but the cart is yeah double wide and there's still space on each side yeah the the fact that there is space <laughs> like is amazing to me you know i think what signaled to me that it was maybe like 90s ish plane thing is that no one's like on a device mm. in the plane and there's like very few headphones because that was still back at the time where you had to like buy headphones for the planes especially because they'd have those weird connectors i think some planes are still like that depending on which airline <laughs> you get you hop on like not throwing shade to any of them but there are definitely a few that still do that gotcha yep. <laughs> If it's spirit, then you have to like build your own headphones. They give they give you one of those box kits that you give to kids for STEM yeah, projects. Yeah. It's like build your own headphones. You're only going to be able to listen to it for about 20 minutes. It's going to yeah. be staticky and awful. And you still have to pay $30 for it. Thank you, spirit, for not sponsoring our show. I will happily never take a sponsorship from them. I've had horrible experiences on that airline. But it all depends how much they're paying us because we're whores. Yeah, yes. Actually, if you want to throw money at us, we'll edit this section out later. <laughs> Retroactively? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you pay us for hush money. <laughs> yes. We'll take hush money. All right, but well, um, we've we've done yeah. <laughs> we've done the 1990s plane to death. But what happens with the plane? So it almost crashes because it's dodging fighting spaceships. And it's then, and they're like coming dead on. Like yeah. the the flight attendant goes into the cockpit to check on the pilot and co-pilot, and they see the flash coming at it. So they're, they're right. like, it's like a head-on potential crash here. Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty intense. We never find out what happens to the plane presumably they're safe but they look like they're veering off into chaos i was gonna say like, like you also <laughs> are dealing with the wake of the plane as it's going by like that yeah. like turbulence is gonna really suck for those passengers yeah it's, it's wild okay then, now we've covered yeah. the plane fully then we follow the fighting spaceships we recognize at least one of them's the shear a shear ship the other one looks like the star jammer yeah. to me it looks like a it looks like a different paint job because it was like orange right Something. yeah it was, yeah it was like it was vague enough that it's like okay this could be maybe anything and then I don't know. The design was still the Star Jammer yeah. to me, but it was a different color. So and then it like sideswipes a yacht. We don't really find out what happens with them. It goes over a yacht. It does not actually contact the yeah. yacht. Yeah. Well, it disturbs them. I guess the the way you put it, like whatever like draft or something it creates, like disturbs them. All then, of our technical terms. Yeah. <laughs> and then they fly past an airport through like the air traffic control tower, and they're all like, "What the hell is this thing?" We also don't get any closure on that. A lot of loose ends at the beginning. Then they fly over New York City. <laughs> I think this might be the biggest loose end. <laughs> Everybody in New York City looks up and like, what the? And then we just cut to the mansion. I feel like at this point, though, there have been enough like public battles with robots and stuff like that, <laughs> that it's it's kind of like the Marvel comic book universe is like there is just a joke of like, oh, living in New York. It's like you're either the person who sees every superhero fight and you're just over it yeah. or you're that like one weirdo who never looks up and is like, why have I never seen Spider-Man? <laughs> and it's like Spider-Man always goes by when you're like looking down to pay for your hot dog kind yeah, of scenario. Yeah. But I feel like it's now in this world like, yeah, we've had giant robot sentinels attack yeah. malls. Like people are like, oh, this is a thing now. Yeah. Shit. 
and, you know, and b- before the last couple of years, we probably would have been like, that's insane. And now we're like, you know, we're starting to see it. Yeah. Starting to see the acceptance of just chaos being normal. Yep. Anyway, we were at the X Mansion and Storm and Cyclops are having like their morning coffee and walk and they're pretty casual. They're getting, it sounds like they're getting an emergency call, but once again, they're desensitized to it. They're like, well, who is this? Must be Gambit. He's usually out late. Yep. And then like, did you yeah, notice yeah. the big aspect of Storm for this episode? The ponytail? Yeah. They had the hair change for Storm. Was, is that is, is that like a reference thing or do you think it maybe just been like a let's change something up only considering like the order of stuff changing in episodes and stuff like yeah. that like you do start to see some subtle costume redesigns happening like not everybody's wearing the exact same thing in every single episode like yeah. you do see subtle changes and they seem to have the most fun with like storm like especially yeah. like when storm storm is wearing like actual outfits yeah. but i guess like because she's on duty today or whatever she's like well fuck it, I don't want to do my hair. I'm going for ponytail yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. That should look good. It, it, I think that was a, one of the first little signs of, oh, this episode, we're in our, like, weird X-Men animated series territory, or yep. we're starting. Po- Post-Phoenix Saga, man. Like, yeah. post-Phoenix Saga is where the animation is, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> yeah, and we're we're not quite to the weird one yet. We'll get we, to we are, Yeah, we are not on the, the total failure of, <laughs> of animation. Yeah. But yeah, they're, they're wondering who's calling and stuff. They get to the like the war room or something they pull up the call i love how you are never confident it's the war room i i, I don't know anymore because the geography changes and then like i don't but it, it seems like the war room we got to find you one of those cutaway drawings where it's the entire mansion like split down the center yeah so you could see where stuff lands <laughs> everything like all the walls are around the war room somehow like <laughs> except for room. that one spot where yeah. they could, somebody can go out the wall <laughs> or through the through the the hole they make in the wall and they visibly recognize as a Shi'ar. He identifies himself as Ragnar. Calls them. I don't. Did we meet him in the previous episode? I don't think we did. No. If we did, it was like so fleeting. We did not. No. No. This is this is the first appearance of him. But they could just tell by the way he's dressed that he's yeah. essentially you know what Cyclops would later refer to them as like space cops. Yeah. But he knows there's some level of like law enforcement from within the Shi'ar that that yeah. he represents, probably from his outfits. I'd imagine, especially in the Phoenix Saga episode where they were literally on a Shi'ar ship. Yeah. And then in the Dark Phoenix episodes where they're they're being arrested, so yeah. to speak, because of Gene. <laughs> also, kind of weird. The Shi'ar just literally tried to kill your girlfriend, fiance, sort of wife. Yeah. One episode ago. And now you're totally cool with their cop side. Yeah. You're just like kind of going with, I guess that fits like Cyclops Boy Scout. It, I mean, yeah. Like, I, that's actually one of the things that, that we'll talk about a little bit later, but he's he kind of just by default trusts somebody that is in a police-like role. He automatically yeah. trusts them. Yeah. So Ragnar calls warning them of this ship that they're chasing after. In the cutaways during this like call, we see this Corsair piling the ship. And he's almost he's heading to the expansion. He almost runs into it. But he like pulls up and flies over it into the river or something behind the... Yeah, there's there's an indistinct body of water that is behind the mansion. We've seen it in the past because when they take off from the Blackbird, mm-hmm. that's where that like hole in the, in, the, in the mountain opens up for them that they're able to take oh, out from. Yes, so we know okay. it's overhanging... We don't have like a real idea of what the distance is because we know it has to be at least big enough for a jet (laughs) to take off. And then later there's like a monorail that's attached to it, which has never been talked about before. So it's like, is it kind of like right under and it's just like just out of line of sight? Or is it like, is it miles away? Yeah. We don't really have that answer, but we do know that Cosair did almost hit the mansion. So he 
crashes in the water, Ragnar tells Cyclops to hold off until they get there so they can apprehend the survivors or whatever. Let us deal with survi- the yeah. survivors. And yep. Cyclops says that if we don't get them now, there's not going to be any survivors, which good point. They just crash landed in the water. Yeah. You know? We we will as a as a duo give Cyclops unending amounts of shit, <laughs> but I totally agree with him on here. It's like if you guys are still in the air, yeah, we're closer. We kind of don't want a bunch of dead bodies in our our water. <laughs> it's really annoying, like cleanup fee and everything. Yeah. So Cyclops gets in there. He rescues Corsair. He doesn't recognize him yet. Storm uses like some like wind situation to pull the ship out of the water. Which okay, I I love Storm. I don't know what her doing the whirlwind did. I'm assuming they were trying to say it was like using the whirlwind to keep the ship from sinking quicker. Yeah. But the animation did not get across to me what the whirlwind did that was actually helpful. Yeah, it kind of looked like maybe it was like lifting it up enough out of the water so she could uh, yeah. go in there. Because she, she does swoop in and she grabs Corsair and Cyclops and then flies them to shore, which... Sounds like there could have been a shortcut there instead of Cyclops swimming there and then the whole thing. anyway. I'm gonna give an animation fail on yeah. that one. I don't th- I don't think it was the writing. I think the animation studio is like, we don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So tornado. Yeah, it's like weather lady, tornado and lake spaceship is saved and some animation guys yep. like, okay. And then he puts the train from New York City that's actually from like yeah. Korea. <laughs> And so they get to shore. Cyclops inexplicably like rips off. It, it looks like an amulet or something from Corsair's pendant. Let's go with pendant. pendant yeah. yeah. And they start talking and Cyclops opens up. So Corsair says, give me back my dog tags. And I was like, okay, that kind of makes sense. Because, especially because if you're in all, all this like soldier situation. Well, but before all that. So Cyclops is shocked when he realizes who it is. And he realizes that it's Corsair. And he's like, wait, you're the Shi'ar criminal? Mm-hmm. Like, Weren't you a part of just like saving the empire kind of yeah. thing? He wants to help Corsair, but before anything else happens, when Corsair realizes what he's referring to as the dog tags, he wants those back. And and that's kind of like what starts them down this path. Yeah. And so Cyclops opens the dog tag, which ends up just being like a locket. Yeah, it's a locket a with a picture. There is there's no actual military <laughs> dog tags. And it's a photo of two little boys and a woman and Cyclops says, This is a picture of me and my brother and my mom. Where'd you get this? And they, you know, we figure out that they figure out that they're all related. Well, he says, What's your name? And Corsair reveals his name is not Corsair, it is Major Christopher Summers. Mm-hmm. And Cyclops, of course, can't believe that because he believes his father's dead. Yeah. And Cyclops's actual speech during this part is where like the acting got significantly worse. It, it goes like full soap opera and this is not shade to the actor I'm sure he got like weird direction or a Russian production or something but he was like no it can't be my father's <laughs> it was it was melodramatic yeah, yeah. so they kind of get in this argument about it but Storm's just like we don't have time for this because there's space cops on her tail she doesn't actually say that but she kind of rushes things along you know right but even Scott refers to it, he's like these dog tags belong to my father and it was like Okay, yeah, this is definitely a script error, right? Like, or a translation error. It's a like, translation Because, like, like, yeah. So everybody refers to these, this locket as dog tags. He I th- I th- keeps them. I think mm-hmm. what I think happened is they probably wrote it in a way that there was, like, dog tags as well as some sort of, like, locket on, yeah. like, a, you know, your, your standard necklace that those would go on. 
And when it got animated, they didn't actually put the dog tag because of probably a, a language barrier yeah. that they only did the, the pendant color. that was opening. Yeah. yeah. And so Ragnar shows up and says the Corsair is wanted for kidnapping and murder. Corsair says he's been set up. Ragnar actually like pushes him to do it that moment. And Scott yells a couple times to give him just a couple minutes because yeah. he just realized he met his father. This is presumably what's happening. He's like, even if you want to take him away and he is guilty, he wanted like a minute to deal with this family situation. Well, he doesn't reveal the paternal relationship to yeah. Ragnar. He, no, no, he doesn't he, reveal, but you, yeah. you just know it's that situation. Oh, totally, like, yeah. Because Ragnar's like, he's like, give me the guy. I was like, yes, no, I get it. He might be guilty. I just need a minute. Yeah, like, just, <laughs> just chill out for a second, bro. <laughs> and Ragnar keeps pushing. Like, if you don't give him to me right now, you're all complicit and, and stuff. And so Cyclops asks Storm to buy them some time. So she causes like a windstorm or something to distract them and then tells Cyclops to meet her at the monorail. And that's... Which, there's a monorail. <laughs> which they don't actually split up. She literally just causes the distraction and is right behind them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I guess, I don't know, maybe it was another like script like trimming thing or something. Yeah. There was something longer there. Yeah, so they, they don't split up and we find out that somewhere between the water to the mansion is this monorail mm-hmm. system. I I was hoping they were going to break out into song like The Simpsons, and that was sadly not the case. I feel like Fox would have really loved that synergy. Yeah, right. <laughs> and on the monorail, Cyclops and Corsair can finally kind of sit down and talk a little bit. Cyclops is really angry. He said he right. thought his dad was dead. He yells at him for like, leaving him as an orphan, like, you know, having him like live his, you know, youth through orphanages and stuff. Well, Corsair actually tries to call Cyclops son and he's like you don't get to do yeah, that yeah. <laughs> and that actually that's what instigated the you know were you there when I was an orphan yeah you you sacrificed your family is is Cyclops's perspective this is, it kind of like which would later happen like, you know decades later is like the Guardians of the Galaxy story in the MCU movies is Peter Quill and that whole thing like when he finally like, meets his biological father and stuff it's a whole thing I, I saw a lot of parallels to that it was interesting but yeah they they kind of get in that argument and while they're in that argument it's still not a good time because the Shi'ar have this radar three like x-ray technology and they can see into the monorail so they start blasting they could the see into the monorail but their aim sucks yeah well they're stormtroopers right apparently <laughs> yeah so they're 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 literally seeing like not just that there's a monorail but they actually have like heat signatures it looks like of the three people yeah, on it where they and are. they just keep missing the monorail shots yeah but they they are destroying the monorail like behind them so this the distance from the water to the mansion has to at least be a couple miles because that thing is moving pretty damn fast yeah and if the shiar ship is still missing like that means you're moving a pretty good clip if if their targeting computers aren't hitting you yeah and also the, well then for you to need a monorail to transport between multiple you know these locations <laughs> i mean that's that's the one thing i've learned from disney yeah <laughs> when the monorail finally stops ragnar says to bring them in dead or alive the the monorail thing like finally they get to their where they need to stop at and the cyclops storm and of course they're run out but these like robot guards have been like dropped in right so that was a that was a little interesting for me because i was under the impression from some of the stuff with either the phoenix saga or the dark phoenix saga that those were robot guards mm-hmm. but we actually find out in this scene that they're they're people in they're like mech suit yeah it's a suit scenario um, they probably like upgraded since the Phoenix thing. They're like, we need to, we need something more. <laughs> or people were murdered and we just didn't acknowledge it yeah. previously. But I just, I, the, my note for this one is Storm kicks ass because yes. like Corsair and, and, and Scott aren't doing a great job. And Storm like takes out all of those guard troopers, whatever you want to call them. I feel bad for the situation because like, uh, you know, 
Corsair and Cyclops probably are pretty distracted, even if they're, you know, trying not to be and stuff because they just learn. <laughs> like, I mean, Storm is an Omega. That's yeah. that end of the day. Like, I know that wasn't the formal thing in the 90s, but she is one of the most powerful mutants from a power perspective. So, yeah, yeah she can trounce these people. She, yeah, she figures it out. Exactly. And so, yeah, Storm, you know, like you said, like beats everybody. And then she grabs Corsair and Cyclops and literally like flies them into the jet and then she flies off with them or no she doesn't fly off with them cyclops is originally piloting and then corsair is like i better take the wheel you're not gonna like what you're about to hear and then we have like one really quick cutaway back to the lake river thing where the original star jammer ship like crashed and they don't find anybody there and say that corsair must have ejected the witness and that's the first time we hear about that right which i was actually happy that they included because if we had heard that before and cyclops and corsair hadn't found or cyclops and storm hadn't found somebody mm-hmm. that would look weird because then it's like oh they left somebody to die it was yeah. actually like probably the only spot in the script where you can insert that quick reference of like yeah. oh there's other stuff going on and somebody isn't murdered. Yeah. Like, like it, it's actually the point where you can realize that there's there's maybe some level of truth to what Corsair is saying. And it's such a quick scene, yeah. but it was actually really important from like a plot device perspective. Yeah, because yeah, we needed to know like why he's actually like on the run and stuff besides him just being kind of a liar. Yeah, liar. not him actually murdering somebody yeah. kind of scenario. And then like, so that was like a really quick cutaway. And then we returned pretty much back to where Corsair said that you're not going to like to hear this. And he tells a story. We go into like an actual flashback. 20 years prior. Yeah. And Corsair says. So that means we know that Scott is roughly, let's say, 26 to 27. Yeah, like mid late. Because if this is 20 years ago, as a kid, he is youngest possible is five, mm-hmm. but I'd say no older than eight. Yeah. Yeah, he says 20 years ago, they were flying from Alaska. I guess that's just the trip they take. And they're in like a Cessna plane. Like it's just their family on this plane. A little bigger than a Cessna. Yeah. Because it had an actual cockpit and they were able to stand in it. But it was somebody, it was something like private. It was definitely a private jet. Yeah. And uh, private plane, definitely not a jet. (laughs) So he says they were flying from Alaska when a starship opened fire. I love how casually they talk about this. I know it's casual now because he's lived this life he's lived as a star jammer yeah. for 20 years so it totally for him it's like yeah spaceships just shoot people yeah we were watching this and it like the flashback is like okay that's not normal no if it was a modern like take on this if, if this was like done on like hulu like the same team that did like hit monkey or modok yeah then it would have been like just swearing constantly <laughs> yeah. it would have been like what the fuck is that yeah they were pretty calm about it relatively it could just be shock man like yeah here's the thing we all think that we're like immune to stuff and maybe certain real life things that just keep happening to us we're just like yeah. well, we're immune because it's like we just keep seeing how shitty humanity is yeah if actual aliens landed the impact of that would be so diverse like some people would lose their fucking minds mm-hmm. some people would like be in shock and disconnect like it i could see it happening they just happen to be the like oh well this is fucking weird scenario i i've said before that like you know if if we end up in like a zombie apocalypse scenario or whatever like there's not there's not going to be some triumphant survival story for me if there was like a movie about <laughs> it if i was in one of those movies you know that like thing at the beginning of a zombie movie they pan across the city and like 20 years ago the virus took over or whatever i'm like the fourth body <laughs> so you're not even one of the zombies that's attacking other stuff you were just no. like it's your head and then a corpse yeah. has been picked clean. Yeah, I, got, I, got, I got taken out, especially because of the events of the last couple of years. Because we kind of start thinking about this. Like, what if stuff goes to shit? I was like, <laughs> if I lose my glasses and technology has fallen, nature will just take me back. That's just how it's going to be. I have to accept it. 
Fair. <laughs> so anyway, they're they're relatively calm in this, but they do realize that because the starship shot at them, it destroyed like the back area that had the parachutes. But there was one parachute. Yeah, left. one parachute did not get whacked. So they strap Scott with the parachute on him, and they tie Alex to him. Mm-hmm. And I think this is just to help emphasize that Scott was the older brother, and yeah. they needed the strap. They needed to strap to him. Because like I would imagine from like a tandem jump perspective, yeah. like if you put it on the smaller person and there's more <laughs> risk of it's easier for the person with it strapped to hold on to the other person yeah. if they're the one with it. Like, yeah, and yeah. also maybe possibly operate or something. Cause yeah, because like, he has to he has to pull, pull it. The thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so they send them out the plane thinking that they're gonna die, but at least maybe their sons have a chance. But they watch the parachute burn. Yeah, they get landing. they give their last goodbyes, and as the as as Scott and, and Alex are falling, you literally see the parachute on fire, which at that point you're like, well, we I, I hope we blow up so I don't have to watch my kids suddenly free fall. Yeah, that that was kind of a visceral reaction for me when I saw it, because before they said- and Because you've like, thrown your children out of planes? Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, I, I saw the thing because normally in cartoons like this, they just wouldn't address it, right? Right. You, you see like the fire on the parachutes, like, and then you survived. I was kind of waiting for that, but I was like seeing this. I'm like, there's two children, their parachutes on fire. There's no way to survive that. And he was like, and your, your parachute caught on fire. I was like, okay, good. Even, yeah. <laughs> even animated Corsair knows what's going on. But right before this, the plane explodes, you see them teleport. And he says, we got teleported up. Them being Corsair and the, the mom. And his wife, yeah. Yep. He says that they were up there being, he didn't specify exactly what, but like cruel genetic experiments. The They were imprisoned as biological specimens. Biological. Yeah. Sorry. So I gathered that kind of like as, you know, the, the very stereotypical, like aliens come to earth, they abduct something because they want to learn from it kind of thing. So there's probably like. Anal probes. I was gonna go with like vivisections and stuff like that. I purposely did not say probing, but to quickly transition, you realize that Deken is on the ship along with a cameo. Rod, Wait, Deken I, was on the ship? Deken was seen on the ship and there was somebody else there with him. Oh, Death Bird? Yep. I only recognize her from the video game. Right, <laughs> yeah, and then quick shout out to somebody who's not sponsoring us either. I was showing Rod, I just got the X-Men Jim Lee set coffee table book yes. and it has some like great artwork and like Deathbird is actually like seen in that and such too. I think I saw a card in there too when I was a kid probably after the video game. Yeah. yeah she has a cool design. I, I was kind of I was hoping for her to either speak or you know, come back to that character because it's a really interesting character. I don't know a whole, whole bunch about her story. Right. So basically Corsair says yep we got sprung by the the star jammers but he unfortunately saw his wife destroyed in front of his eyes so it's like it's not even ambiguous of like oh i got saved and maybe she's still in the slave pits it's like no she's dead yeah. and and we we kind of knew that from the phoenix saga episodes because he's like that's why he wants to kill ken in those episodes yeah. oh no. that makes sense i forgot yeah that he has beef with Ken personally because that was a while ago for us right yeah real (laughs) real world time that is like three months ago at this point yeah yep and so because of that and seeing his children jump out of a plane with a burning parachute he thought his whole family was dead so there's no point coming back to earth which fair if you're already in outer space that's probably a long ways to go to back to get back to earth might as well become a space pirate right and i think that's that's also super important because because cyclops still has the guilt of like well you left me in foster homes and stuff. Yeah. And he's like, why didn't you come back? And he's like, literally what you just said, saw your parachute burning as you're jumping from a plane. And then my wife was killed in front of me. What is left for me on yeah. this planet? It's like just depressing at this point. I guess that's also another detail why they specified they were flying over Alaska. Cause it wasn't like, oh, we were flying over like Los Angeles. And then your parachute went out. They're like, you're going to like the- Tundra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> and so at that point, you can kind of see that they worked it out, makeup, and Cyclops even gives back the dog tags. Let's call it tags. <laughs> for, for respect to the script, let's the call it, it the tags. The locket dog tags. Yep. Somebody should make that. So it's like a dog. That wouldn't make any sense. But I was in my head, I'm picturing a dog tag, and it opens up like a cute little locket. If somebody wants to 3D print that. <laughs> I'm not going to. And put a picture of Scott's family yeah. <laughs> in the in the thing. Rod will wear it to future conventions. There you go. <laughs> I won't. Anyway, so Storm notices that the Shi'ar have caught up with their ship, and Corsair is pulling some like cool maneuvers to get to basically crash land, and they run out of the ship just in time before it gets blown up by Shi'ar missiles. I thought that was going to be a decoy, but the Shi'ar definitely noticed that they're running out because they escaped. Oh yeah, there was no decoy. That was just, that was just pure escape. And they send the Maxu soldier guys on what do you, do you call those like like float like the mini platforms platform let's go with platforms yeah I put takeout drones so yeah 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 to to chase after them he's on his loudspeaker really is like space cop that's what I would do I would yeah. just get on a loudspeaker and just be like I'm gonna sell you out right now bro yeah and he tells Cyclops the Corsair has been lying to him and that he has this hostage that he's gonna use for money and fuel and stuff and. They, they start arguing again, but everything freezes. Like, there's this, like, chase scene, and then everyone just, like, stops. Cyclops is like, is he telling the truth? And Corsair's like, well, you know, I do I, I do care about this little girl. He's like, However, I care, and ships are expensive yes. to maintain. <laughs> like, but a fringe benefit is that we can make some money off of this thing. So Cyclops is like, all right, time out. So he sends Storm to go find Jandra, who's the little girl that was the witness, hostage, whatever we were going to say. And just for clarity on it, we did a little bit of digging, and we cannot find Jandra in the X-Men comics. Closest we got is there is a character whose name's Chandra, which is spelled X-A-N-D-R-A. Spelled that right. I was like, wait, yep. Who does play a pretty pivotal part, but as far as we could tell, they are not the same character. Yeah, and she, she doesn't really. She's only a plot device in this, and we never really find yeah. out. There's literally device. an article online of like asking who this character is and how it was never addressed again. Yeah. So Cyclops sends Storm to go find her, right, and then takes Corsair as his own prisoner. And the best part of that is the Shi'ar are approaching, and they look like they're like. I don't know why they stopped fighting and then yeah. all of a sudden Cyclops just puts his hand up and yeah. just like gives the like stop command to them yeah. and they all just are like cool we won't shoot you now yeah yeah it's like and that's why I was like it was like a really odd like okay everybody freeze we're on the <laughs> yeah <laughs> they, they understood they yeah you or whatever and he says Corsair is my prisoner yeah and he's hearing that they're they're bad cops from Corsair and Ragnar is saying yeah we'll like bring him on thank you for your assistance and Cyclops is like I haven't agreed yeah. to anything this is actually one of the things that like like I was mentioning earlier, Cyclops is really trusting of the space cops. Yeah. Like just by default, he's very trusting of them. Yeah. And he's, he says like, we'll sort this out when the girl gets here. That makes sense to me. Like you said, of all the shit we give to Cyclops, it's like that does make sense. Let's get this hostage last witness, whatever, get her side of the story and piece together who's telling what and, and who's lying. So we follow up with Storm. She thinks she finds Jandra. She got some sort of like signature or whatever. Yeah, that she can like sense or like her computer thing, whatever found in the forest. But she gets netted by Hepsiba. Did I pronounce that right? Yep. I, might, I, might, I feel like my lips don't make those syllables correctly. I cat, mean, it's cat a cat lady. And, and then Chode. also everybody's favorite name, which yeah. again, growing up, thought his name was Chod. Yeah. His name is Chode. Chode. 
and Raza, who I think my brother had his action figure. Such a weird figure to get right? to. Yeah, I think it was just because like, oh, looks cool. You know, like, I don't know anything else about this character. Raza is just a mishmash of like three different art styles. Yeah. And, yeah. But yeah, so he pulls out his sword and is actually the one to, to stop Storm and he destroys her comm device. Yeah. Jump back to this ship and then the navigator who I've, you know, lovingly called Butterfly Face Lady. It like, it confirms that they found Storm's location and she has Chandra or whatever. Yep. And so Ragnar traps Cyclops in like this tracking beam, I guess. I don't know how you put it, like in the cockpit. Not a tracking beam. It's definitely not a tracking beam. Well, well I mean like not tracking beam, but you know, like the same thing, like UFOs use like freeze people and then like pull them up and stuff. They like freezes them. Yeah, like, track door, not tracking. Oh, track. But that also that doesn't usually freeze them. Oh, it, okay. It's like a suspended animation. Scenario. Yeah, is yeah. It, it It froze him in, like to the point where he was like in walking position was where he froze. Yeah. And then Ragnar walks into like the room where Corsair is being held hostage. And kind of whisper shouts like I would say prisoner. I don't think he really wants to. I don't think there's much negotiation yeah, yeah. there. I think he's just planning on killing them and just trying to like torture him beforehand. Yeah, and then he kind of like whisper shouts like, "How are you the one that knew I was the one sent to dispose?" Yeah, Jandra. <laughs> yeah, so he basically admits to the fact that that they they were trying to kidnap or take out this girl, and he wants to know who the mole was because yeah. he's he's pissed. And Corsair, to his credit. Even being a space pirate, he's yeah. like, I'm not telling you my no. source. Because yeah, he's probably going to kill him anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, if you're going to kill me, I'm still losing my money, which is what I care the most about. Yeah. We jump back real quick. Storm and the Starjammers are walking through this forest jungle-ish area. And Storm is questioning why they were attacking her because mm-hmm. they were allies last time. And it's like, well, we heard your betrayal because I guess Corsair oh, yeah. had his mic on the entire time, I guess. And then you see a young Shi'ar mm-hmm. who has like a little bit of a Lalandra vibe, but... Yeah, she's significantly younger. Yeah, like definitely adolescent. Mm-hmm. But Rod and I were talking before the, the recording that is just generally the look of most of the Shi'ar female characters yeah. shy of death. She, and she's wearing like a like a pink like a, I don't know dress thingy. Dress thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's funny because I made a note here later, but you just said it like Storm and the Star Jammers. Totally should be like an '80s cover band. Like I, that should be a name. I feel like it can't be just that blatant. <laughs> And if it didn't happen in the House of 92 comic book that's out currently, then it's not ever going to happen. Yeah. Well, I just mean in the real world. Someone just needs to start that band. Or, hear me out. And then they get sued by Disney. Yeah. But you went down in glory. Do all like 80s and 90s like theme songs, kind of like Power Glove, you know? Like, mm. It's like rock versions and stuff. And, like, that'd be kind of cool. And everybody You're the talks. musician, not me. Right. I don't know why you're telling me this idea. <laughs> If there's any lead singers out there that have like a striking resemblance to Storm, let me know. And then we could finally do the cover of the Dazzler song. Yes. If we need to find, I've been looking for it. We'll get to that in the, in the next In a future episode. episode. Yeah. <laughs> then we go back to the ship. I guess we just, she's just the navigator. Yeah. The, the, essentially, the, the navigator doesn't have a name. She doesn't need to have a name. Is it the navigator like walks up to Cyclops and kind of like whispers in his ear, like, are you really Corsair's son? <laughs> and when he's like, yeah, so she lets him go. She's like, I have something you need to see. And she's like, this is a ship log from like a day or two from now. Three days in the future. <laughs> sure. And he's like, how, how is this? I don't know if they did this on purpose, but to their credit, it looks like that Jandra isn't the same girl. I know that's weird to say because it's like two generic Shi'ar women, you know? But it looked like a different person. Maybe they purposely animated her differently. Maybe it was like a happy accident where it was crappy animation stuff. It looked like a stand-in, you know? I didn't realize that, but also like... I think we we forget the technology at the time is like you look at a, a TV now and you can look out 
fine details. Mm -hmm. If you look at the original size of like, you know, doctored images and stuff, they were what? Like, you know, 120p or something absurd. So it's like, oh, it's going to be grainy and look like shit. Yeah. 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 So they figure out that. And Scott, we figure out with Scott that this is all like staged footage. That yeah, it's it's a faked in. sequence. And it also is the reveal that the navigator is actually the mole who didn't want to see an innocent girl get killed. Yeah. So this whole thing was to have this girl get killed, have it covered up and and, and blame, blame the star generators. Yeah. And so the navigator and Cyclops bust into the room where Corsair is being held prisoner. Cyclops blasts Ragnar and frees Corsair as they escape on a mini ship out of the, the main big Shear ship. The star jammers start talking over the radio, and so does Storm. They're all kind of speaking code to each other. Right. Yeah. It was 13 degrees north, and remember Aldaria Five. Yeah. Is that the is that the the, the name of the planet? Yeah. Yep. E- even a little bit later, like I think was it Cyclops was like, I, was like did something good happen Aldaria Five? <laughs> yep. He's like, oh yeah. I don't think we never actually find out what that was. But then also Storm says Professor X sends his regards, yeah. which was another code that I'm like, I have no idea what she's fucking talking about right now and it's funny because at first Ragnar is like oh they're heading over here over there heading here and i i felt like i got the vibe that he was like hmm something's fishy what the heck are they talking about yeah. all these weird messages but we figure out it's like so that they all speaking code so they know right. that there's like a decoy situation I, happening. but it also like Ragnar is super confused. He's like, I don't know what's going on. And so they arrive at the temple where Storm and the Star Jammers, that's where I was like, oh, Storm and the Star Jammers. I don't know if this was like a missing story point or just like a little bit of an animation shortcut or glitch or not glitch, uh, like error or whatever. Jandra suddenly looks like Philandra. <laughs> she's in more royal gear than this, the, just the dress thing. But she's also like static. It looks like it's like a still drawing, like not an animation. This is in the background, you know? It's just like there's the Star Jammers and then like- I mean, I, I definitely noticed the change in her outfit, but I didn't notice that it was like a static, non-animated segment, yeah. to or be at honest. It, at least it seemed like it wasn't. I, I just say that because it, it was probably something where like, if we're going to cut a corner, it's going to be here. Because right. You have to establish that they're there with a Shi'ar person. Right. And they do escape the whole. Ragnar's confused. The ship gets shot down and everybody starts running to the temple. And Corsair, probably whatever the signal is for the, you know, Aldaria 5 or whatever, he dives into a vent, it looks like. Yeah. And then when that happens, that's when the, the counter attack happens. And everybody just starts shooting back essentially (laughs) but they and and they escape and i guess ragnar is like well we did our best (laughs) like well the ship crashes like straight up so basically kind of the end of like that whole pursuit yeah it it did get wrapped up very quickly yeah and so cyclops and corsair walk up to the star jammers and chode like gives them this big like bear hug it's like a very weirdly i don't I think it, we've seen that character from Chode before. Like he's affectionate all of a sudden. None whatsoever. It, <laughs> it kind of actually did remind me of Chewbacca. Like Chode is just a Chewbacca that's scaly, but you could actually understand what he's saying from yeah. a viewer perspective. And, and Corsair like made a comment about it too. He's like, sometimes he gets a little emotional yeah. effectively. Okay, so I guess this is it. This is it. We're, seeing, we're, we're family now. It's like Olive Garden. And- no. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not like Olive Garden. Get the <laughs> fuck out of my house, Rod. Uh, anyway, so we cut to everybody. So mad at you. Everybody ends up over the X-Mansion, and they're saying their goodbyes, and Cyclops is like, we still haven't really had any closure on what the hell happened. In a loving way, he's a little less cynical than I just said it. But Corsair's like, well, we got to go, though, and Cyclops is like, you know, 
would a few hours really make that much of a difference on an intergalactic yeah. mission? He kind of also like shit talks his driving a little bit. He's like, what? You're saying you can't make up yeah. that time? And so Corsair basically says like, I guess we could spend a few extra hours in hyperdrive or something, you know, to make right. up for it. And then Chode's like, guess we got to bust out the playing cards or something. And I was like, you got this whole spaceship and you've traveled galaxies and stuff. Is it the only way you can bide your time is playing cards? Well, when did it, <laughs> when did a Game Boy come out? Before then. like I think Oh yeah, it would have been like 89, right? Yeah, it was like yeah. late 80s, right? Yeah, yes, well, they, they don't have Game Boys in space. Right. They have Zune recorders according to <laughs> Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah. They have an awkward like dad hug moment. And then there was the conversation that ended the episode where I was like, what where it was so are you gonna marry that redhead and it was like like, yeah it's like well yeah she's calmed down a little bit and it's like it reminds me of your mother and then the line of like oh i'll tell you after you're married and i was like no no you literally your 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 child no 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 literally your child never wants to hear about how your redheaded wife was wild yeah I think that that's kind of. That was I love how you jump to the sexual stuff, and the one time where I think it's legitimately a sexual yeah. reference, you're like, "No, no, he means they're just like a fiery personality, Rod." <laughs> Fucking hell, Rod! It probably is a sexual reference. It's definitely a sexual reference. I, I kind of saw it as like a little bit of an artifact of just like the '90s thinking of stuff. It's like, oh, take my wife, please. That you know, getting married means that it has to be like not interrupted by like a mutant priest and. <laughs> yes, the number one rule of the 90s is your wedding can't be interrupted by a well, it was like It's like the ceremony that makes it legit and also... The like, kiss uh, of the ceremony, yeah, the acor- according to the Dark Phoenix saga. The kiss of the ceremony, but also that it's better for you to get married and be unhappy. You know, because it's kind of the subtext, right? Very you be married and like suffer consequences that you should have been warned about beforehand. You and I and have like- completely <laughs> different interpretations of subtext. I think that's why we're a good match yeah. for this. Because you and I take moments like that that have ambiguity... And we just go in completely opposite directions. Yeah. <laughs> but I can see what you're saying now, too, though. It's like, it's like, okay, have you consummated this marriage yet? Because I can show you my wound. So that's the episode. Phoenix 6. So there was not a ton of other stuff, aside from the fact that the episode, co- like, Scott believes cops very quickly. Mm-hmm. This was further expanded on as, like, what, what Eric and, and Julia considered one of the bio episodes where they only really needed three characters in the episode. I mean, in in this case, it's only two X-Men, but that the stories were strong enough that you didn't need to put the full team. So I thought that was interesting. And then this is loosely based on Uncanny X-Men numbers 154 and 155, which came out in 1981. And it's very loosely because if you actually look at the cover of one of those issues, I believe 154, which I'll share on the Instagram, is holding Colossus as if he's gotten like shot and is injured. So there's definitely a few other characters in there, but I think it's more of just how Scott is finding out the history of Corsair and such. Yeah. So, so it, it was a good episode in that sense. We like get to kind of figure out this corner of the X-Men universe and Scott's family stuff and things, but otherwise kind of inconsequential to the overall thing. Like, so I guess it does, it, it fits with what you're saying with it being a biographic. It, it fits the bio episode. So I, I think we got some good character building out mm-hmm. of Scott. We get the confirmation of the brother. And then like, you know, the fact that stuff aired out of order and we know that Havoc is is his brother. Yeah. It's like, well, what has happened to Alex? And why isn't, why, why is, why is Corsair not asking, so where's your brother? I was actually going to say, yeah, it's like, it's funny that they're, I guess I do understand that they have their stuff to hash out, but neither, yeah, neither of them are like, wait, so, yeah, <laughs> speaking of my children. <laughs> yeah. Where's the other one? <laughs> He's like, we don't, we don't talk about Bruno. Like, <laughs> I've still not watched it, so... But even just the sentiment of the phrases. But it's it's like 
Cool. Yeah. Dad, let's let's spend a few hours. Should we call your brother over? No. Why? I don't know where he is. <laughs> very, very proven he doesn't know where he is. Yeah. He might be destroying Scotland. We don't know. We just let it go. We let people like just run amok Des- around here. Why Why would he be destroying Scotland, Rod? He doesn't destroy anything. Okay. That was like, just a random. Okay. Yeah. I was like, are you confusing characters? <laughs> no, no it's, just, it's just like the X-Men. Whenever they come across anybody that's remotely like dangerous, they're like, let's let him go and let go and let God see what happens. We'll deal with it in another episode. Yes. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> So thanks for joining us. If you have any thoughts, make sure to drop them in the comments for either the YouTube upload or official Instagram posts about this episode. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a rating on the podcast app you're choosing. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Cactbox. Castbox, I never say that right. Why can't you say that right? <laughs> Somewhere on our socials or in a comment, leave us what what sexual thing do you think Corsair was trying to warn Scott about in the in the the honeymoon? You're just trying to get everybody's account banned as they comment on our stuff. I like that you think that people are listening after we start the outro. (laughs) Goodbye.